welcome, Nari. Thank you so much for uh, being with us today on this Kuya International Day. Uh, you know the principle, we have 20 minutes in this session to discuss about anything that has to do with uh, your role and your project at the World Bank. It's a very informal discussion. Um, the audience knows a bit about you and, uh, and who you are, but maybe it's better if they hear from you. So if you could please uh, kick off the session by introducing yourself, please. Thank you. Thanks for having me here and it's nice to meet you all. Uh, my name is Nare Choi. I'm a Senior Urban Development Specialist at the World Bank. Currently, I'm at the global team for urban disaster risk management, resilience and land, global practice at the World Bank, which is one of the many sectors that the World Bank is engaging with. Um, I used to work in Africa, uh, managing and supporting World Bank finance projects in different countries, including Kenya, Rwanda, Tanzania, and some other countries. Um, but at the global team, um, I'm actually helping programs on two main fronts, two different programs, I would say, on inclusive cities, really to promote how cities um, could be more inclusive and in, in, in benefiting for everybody. And the other one is on smart cities. Um, again, the idea is actually to apply smart technology to uh, improving city planning and management. This is, this is a lot. Thank you so much. Um, I understand that. So the division where you work that is called global practice at the World Bank includes a lot of topics. Can you just briefly explain? Because I don't remember fully the acronym, but there is lands, there is resilience, there's urban. So can you, can you tell us a bit in your view how those things are, are connected? Because I know we talk a lot about, um, Poverty reduction and impact as, is connected with urbanization. Uh, land management is connected with like how we can give assets to people to have a better life. All of this are, are very much interconnected. So can you can you tell us a bit more just about this topic as uh, to, to kickstart? Uh, yes, you're right. Actually, anything we do uh, has a spatial dimension. It could be in urban areas or it could be in rural areas. So in a sense, uh, the division of urban and rural could be actually artificial because um, it, the definition uh, can be very different in different contexts. Uh, but still, um, as you just pointed out, uh, historically speaking, no countries have reached the middle income status without high level of urbanization. And cities are known for really leading the national economic growth, which could have many uh, spillover effects, including poverty reduction and other welfare increase. So there is an importance um, that the World Bank has put on in terms of city development. So that is one big stream of our um, global practice is focusing on. And the other aspects are cross-cutting, I have to say. So they are not confined to urban areas. Uh, for example, disaster risk management, as you can imagine, disasters can hit anywhere, anybody. So it's definitely cross-cutting spatially, sectorally. So it's uh, an important um, agenda increasingly so in the face of um, the sort of expediting effects of climate change. Yeah. Um, so the agenda is becoming uh, sort of uh, the World Bank wide and also global um, importance in attention uh, as we move into um, sort of the climate change era. Well, we are already in that uh, space. Um, so that is another big stream of our work um, in Land is the same thing, as you just mentioned. Land is basis for everything, as you can imagine, um, both rural and urban developments. 
and anything and everything that we do. So effective land management is critical foundation for any development work. I, I would say it happens to be the case that, you know, our global practice um, really uh, tries to bring all these very multi-sectoral aspects into you know, um, in an integrated approach. Yeah. But as you say, you know, I think the linkage is um, uh, widespread and then actually applies to different sectors as well. Yeah, no, it's super interesting. I, I love that you said that space is all around us, spatial and land. So it, it, touch, it goes across all the sectors. I always found that fascinating that everything that you do has an impact on project that can be about housing they can be about mobility you talked about smart cities so right now i just like if i take that as an example we talk a lot about smart cities it's everywhere not only in uh, sophisticated uh, economies but also in emerging markets um, but when i talk to people in you know engineering firms or consultancies for them smart cities has a very narrow definition i give you an example the guy working in a transport or a, a bus operator or something for for him smart cities is transport i talked to another one smart cities oh uh, sensors on uh, on uh, heating you know for district heating and and so what is for you when you work on and you said the smart cities was a sort of a global initiative what are the sort of um, projects or initiatives that or emerging from the thinking on smart city because it's so broad again it's everything that touches our environment um indeed and and there is no universally acceptable definition of smart city uh, from what i know uh, there is a very comprehensive definition by different institutions but um in a sense smart city is understood by different people in different ways as you just said depending on who you are talking to but again i think the core idea is how we utilize or um, maximize the um, benefit of uh, data and digital technology in improving um, urban planning and management. And again, uh, the topic of urban planning and management itself is inherently uh, multi-sectoral. Again, because we are looking at a space like city and the thinking, um, the, the core question is how we can improve uh, the city as a livable and vibrant and competitive space for people and businesses. So uh, in this case, data and technology is sort of an enabler um, uh, and that will allow us to really drive the agenda even forward uh, yeah. and further. So um, in, inevitably, I think in the smart city development discussions, uh, we try to bring all the stakeholders in different sectors, both private, public, and also across multiple sectors. Transport is a big uh, sector, but energy, uh, construction, yeah. building, housing, um, environment. Um, in when we actually think about the use of technology in a uh, sort of integrated uh, and comprehensive manner, I think the synergy and in impact could be much bigger. And of course, I'm noting the difficulty of. Um, sort of pulling together that coordination across different teams and um, uh, sectors which tend to work in silos. But uh, I think that is the core of the smart city development in my view. 100% agree. The same way you may have silos, as you say, among practices at the World Bank, you find the same silos in the uh, service providers, the different engineering companies that have their specialty because they need to be very expert. So all those things are intertwined, as you said, but 
it adopts a level of complexity both in the project design but also in the project in execution because when you have a mega project that have like to do with energy with transport with all of those sectors together bringing a team together to solve that challenge may have a tremendous positive impact but is also extremely complex just to put together right if I can oh. add just one thing, um, yeah. you can enter into the smart city space from different entry points. As you said, mm -hmm. it could be smart mobility, but then I think what can actually expand the horizon is actually your thinking or efforts to really link with other um, initiatives. So even if you enter the space uh, from um, a very specific agenda, like you know, integrated fair collection system, um, in developing such system, I think you can really check what is already there in terms of uh, similar initiatives or similar use cases of uh, digital technology in the city yeah. space. And yeah. by connecting with those uh, uh, you know, initiatives, you can really benefit from the existing data or existing systems already within the same city space. So um, while you think about it from the you know, macro perspective, it may seem overwhelming and complex, but I think you know you can mm. expand from the very specific uh, entry point as well. Interesting. Two things I want to jump in now because one is what you just said. The way you're thinking makes me think of the way a software engineer would think, which is what we do at WIA, which is maybe you have a large project to tackle, but you don't want to create the entire software that solves everything right away because it's too complex. So you want to go by modules. You know, maybe you start the first model using what the client has and then that gives you one benefit and then you add another model in your case that would talk about integrated first system and then you add another model that in, and, and slowly by different modules and step that's where you're going towards with the smart city so uh, i like that and and the second thing i i really like what you said which i think a lot of people forget about this and it's a message i really want to um, uh, send across, especially for the technology uh, service provider, but also products and technology. You said, I'm going to have to quote you because I really like that. You said, data and tech is just an enabler towards what you want to achieve as a smart and inclusive city. And this I really like because when I have discussion with, uh, you know, sensor companies or different technology providers, they see their technology as the end game, as the end goal. And I always am not fighting with them, but having those debates to say, well, what is your technology bringing in terms of measurable benefits for the population? Because at the end, me, I'm more into transport, you know, it's my background. So if you look about transport, yes, okay, maybe it's good to have a new technology in transport, but if it doesn't reduce the cost for one user to go from A to B, What's the point or the comfort or many metrics to have, right? So this is what you're saying of smart city is very close to inclusive city because the smart needs to boost the inclusive, correct? Yeah, of, of course. I think uh, you nailed it in the sense that like you, it help, it help, it's helpful you know, to have a clear focus on what you're trying to achieve. And usually in city development, that's, again, um, city residents, um, including both people and businesses. So if you have a clear focus on that, I think it's easier to sort of uh, uh, develop your pathway to achieve the goal and how to pull into pull in different resources and then um, measures uh, to achieve the goal. And, and 
when we focus on you know city residents uh, and people, then obviously um, you will have a lot more ideas in terms of how we can use technology and other means to make it um, beneficial for everybody. And uh, as part of inclusive cities work, um, we promote uh, universal accessibility quite a lot, uh, especially in city design and uh, infrastructure imp um, implementation investments. Um, universal accessibility uh, is, a, is an idea and approach that has a strong focus on inclusion of persons with disabilities uh -huh. uh, so that they can actually access various infrastructure spaces and services uh, without any hindrance. Um, but as a result of applying universal accessibility in our design and in infrastructure investment, um, other residents can benefit greatly as well because at one point in and over the course of life, anyone can have um, disabilities yeah. of varying kinds, yeah. um, um, especially as we are getting into the aging society. So, and also if you have small children, if you're pregnant women and et cetera, then of course you also have special needs temporarily or like over the long term. So yeah. thinking of building um, a city from the perspective can be really beneficial uh, for the wider, pu wider public. And increasingly, um, uh, we are thinking of utilizing data and uh, digital technology to really promote universal accessibility further. Um, so I can give you some examples, um, you know, through the side chat or um, as background resources on that front as well. Yeah, th this is very interesting. No, this is a very good topic as well. This is part of being inclusive as well, I understand. The, the thing I'd like to ask you is, for you and for the World Bank, who has a lot of thinking behind that, for instance, if we take accessibility as, as one example, uh, do you feel like there is the same um, awareness when you talk with not only policymaker, but also, you know, the companies then who implement the project? Because... Uh, and then I would like to take some example of like, you know, you said you work in Tanzania and Rwanda, but if I even say early in my career, I was working with the French Ministry of Transport and even in a country such as France, there's not always a full awareness of what that means, you know, both on the, you talk about, you need, you need to know your needs. So the policymaker, let's say even a mayor of a city, he needs to think about his needs and understand that. So it, it was not always the case. And then the, the companies in that case, let's say the, the construction company who has to redo the design of an urban center or something, they're also not fully aware of that. So is that, one, is that an example of a challenge you may face in the implementation of those projects with an accessibility angle? Thanks for bringing in that. I think it's across the board. I mean, in terms of awareness and translating that awareness is sort of willingness then to... Uh, yeah. sort of correct the course because yeah. I mean, we work in a particular way and expanding or changing that uh, way of doing things is not always an easy and it's a gradual process. So usually we try to uh, introduce the agenda itself to uh, the countries and cities um, that we are working with and supporting. Um, uh, again, like to raise their awareness and also hopefully to uh, share that common understanding of the importance of the agenda while underlining the fact that actually it's not, it doesn't need to be complicated or costly to think about um, universal access 
in our um, infrastructure design. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, again, it's important to uh, show the practical implications of yeah. incorporating that aspect into our work. And um, that, is, that can become then a technical um, uh, issue, of course. Yeah. And there has to be a lot of technical support in terms of then what it means to reflect um, or, you know, in, introduce universal accessibility into our engineering designs and construction processes. So then like we get into the details of the tech, um, you know, the technical area, but still, um, you know, these go hand in hand, both awareness raising and capacity development um, industry-wide. It's not just our government counterparts, but as you mentioned, um, companies in the construction industry really needs to be raised um, all together. And oftentimes it can be done on the job as well as we design um, infrastructure, as we implement, uh, if we can uh, provide consistent support, technical assistance throughout the process, I think, you know, uh, there can be some gains um, on the job uh, along the way. So I understand it's a gradual process, but worthwhile journey. Definitely. Um, you went into more the practical and the concrete, and uh, and you mentioned at the beginning uh, your work in Africa. Um, can you give us an example uh, and the example you want? But I have one in mind. But you can you can you you may illustrate with another one. I read one of the article that I think is 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 public on one of the blogs of the World Bank. I found very interesting um, about relationship between the urban areas and rural areas. I think around Kigali, but in in Rwanda in general, which goes back to your previous point, which which you made very clear about this distinction between urban and rural is not necessarily the best one because there are synergies and there are trickle-down effects even on poverty level uh, that, that are observed, that are also with data. This is official data that has been measured, etc. Um, but going back to a concrete example, have you, in, in your work in Rwanda, or again, as I said, another example, can you come back to a point where those different dimensions were, were faced with challenges and it's not that always easy to have a project that cuts across urban development and rural, you know, because our audience, they think, they think about Rwanda, I'll give you an example. Sorry, it's a long question, or but it's more a discussion. They think about Rwanda, they think, oh, I, I know that because I've heard that. Uh, Rwanda is either very urban, it's Kigali. So the World Bank is going to finance an urban project, and we focus just on that. Or Rwanda is very rural, and the World Bank or others, but the World Bank um, may finance rural roads, you know, in, in very rural uh, Rwanda. And so in their mind, there is this disconnect. But you telling me that the data and all the studies show that there would be a benefit to bring that together. So how do you do that? Yeah, that's a very good question. I, well, and you're touching upon the topic that we often um, call as a, a rural urban linkages. And there can be many linkages, of course, um, through the markets. Uh, urban residents rely on sort of food products and other products uh, from the rural areas. While, while you know, rural areas will uh, rely on uh, towns in what we call secondary cities, close to uh, rural villages, um, agriculture sites, for various um, supply of services and, um, and sometimes infrastructure. So there's clearly the linkage through the market and also people, as you 
can imagine people move between spaces uh, looking for better life options, livelihoods, and et cetera. And uh, even within a country, uh, there is a linkage in terms of um, uh, movement of people and remittances and otherwise. So uh, the linkage is organic and natural there. So that's why I'm saying um, when we do either urban development or rural development, it's important to think about the linkage. And in the case of Rwanda, yes, there uh, has been a rural road focused uh, transport uh, project, but then the idea is actually to better connect uh, rural areas to those uh, so-called urban markets uh, so that uh, whatever is produced uh, through uh, agriculture efforts could be better connected to the markets for the benefit of uh, farmers and others in rural areas. Likewise, we have a um, urban development project uh, that the World Bank is financing, which focuses on Kigali um, uh, as well as six secondary cities that are actually so-called capital cities of different regions okay. serving um, the surrounding areas in various ways. And um, usually when uh, people from rural areas, when they're migrating, they tend to go to the secondary cities first before they are coming to the big cities like Kigali, uh, etc. So the role of secondary cities is very important. And that's why many of our urban projects are trying to cover not only the primary cities, but also secondary and tertiary towns uh, and cities so that uh, that linkage between rural and urban areas can be strengthened. And um, the region as a whole could be hopefully, you know, um, better served uh, and developed over time. So again, um, I, I, I like that you know a lot about Rwanda and you're interested in the country, which is dear to my heart. And, uh, um, and while projects may be divided um, sectorally because of the way the government is set up, the, the way we are set up on the side of the World Bank, I think there is a, a, a thinking at the country yeah. level, yeah. including the linkage between the two. And, uh, and, and yeah. synergies, I understand that, yeah. Um, I, I love this discussion, but I do a very bad job in Timekeeper. I see that we're already at 24 minutes and I had six more questions, so I'm totally off. So maybe I keep those questions for next session, but for the time being, thank you so much again, Nari. That was a great pleasure to have you. That was a great discussion and we're very grateful to have you today with us. Thank you. It was fun talking to you and uh, look forward to talking, um, you know, discussing together more next time. Thank you. Thank you so much.